You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. I'm really excited about this book, I, I, as we're going to see this morning. There's, just, there's a lot that we can learn uh, from this book, and... Um, it's, it's important for us to just kind of think through a little bit about uh, where is this book at in the Scripture, what was happening before then, uh, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Nobody knows for sure uh, who wrote the book of Joshua. Uh, most likely it was Joshua, uh, but we don't know with 100% certainty. But we do know that it was written soon after the events that are recorded here. Um, because we see in Joshua uh, 6, I believe it is, that uh, Rahab is still alive, who we're going to learn about next week. She's still alive when this book is written. And so it's thought that it was written around 1405 or between 1405 and 1385 B.C. Joshua, who was Joshua? Well, he had been born in Egypt into slavery, just like all of his... Uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and, um, and he had experienced what life was like uh, to be a slave in Egypt. He'd seen the highs of uh, the history of, e- of Israel, and he'd seen the lows. He'd seen God, through his miraculous power, freeing them out of that slavery in Egypt. And then he had witnessed his people walking in rebellion against God. We read that he and Caleb and 10 other guys had been sent into the promised land to kind of scout it out. And when they came back, only Joshua and Caleb were saying, hey, we, this is it. It's going to be incredible. The, the land is good. God's going to give it to us. And the other 10 were like, we're all going to die. They see, all they could see were the obstacles. And so they encouraged the people to walk in rebellion to what God had called them to. And as a result of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So Joshua had lived through this entire time. And Joshua had been mentored by Moses. And as we look through the Pentateuch from, jo- or sorry, from Exodus right through to Deuteronomy, you see often Joshua mentioned being with Moses. And so all through that time, God was preparing the next leader. By this time, as we're about to get into the book of Joshua, Joshua is around 90 years old, so is Caleb. And we're going to learn more about Caleb later, but he, he, was like, he was acting like he was about 19, right? And both of these guys will be used mightily for the Lord, those who believed that God is faithful to do what he says he will do. When we look at the Old Testament, just a reminder that, that some of the things uh, we're going we're gonna to be able to pull principles out and we're going to say, yeah, that's true of us. In the Old Testament, we have to remember that they were under the Old Covenant. You and I today are under the New Covenant. There's a, there is a, some different things that we need to keep in mind with that. We also need to re- keep in mind the book of Joshua is narrative and it's telling us what happened. So, we're not going to have any services. We're going to be walking around walls and waiting for the walls to fall down, right? We're not going to be stepping into rivers and expecting them to stop, right? Like that's, we're just reading what happens. We're learning about a character of our God. But as we do, we will learn much. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 reminds us that these things were written down for our instruction and for our benefit. And as we get into the text today, we're going to cover chapter 1. Obviously, covering uh, 24 chapters over the summer, we're going to be taking bigger chunks than what we've been, you know, the few verses that we've been doing in Romans. And, and as we look at the first chapter, what you see is really he's setting up the foundation for the entire book. If we, if, if we understand what he's saying in chapter 1, really it, it, we will understand what God is doing throughout the entire book. And so I'm excited about studying this book together. I hope you guys are excited. And, and we need the Lord's Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to teach us as we study these things. So let's seek Him now, and then we'll study together. Lord God, we are so thankful for this book of Joshua. We thank you, Lord, that, um, Lord, this book shows us that you're always faithful. 
that you're always good, that you are with your people. This morning, God, we pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us. I'm so thankful that you know every heart here this morning. You know exactly what everyone here needs to hear. God, would you encourage the discouraged? Would you spur on those who are apathetic? Lord, would you help us to know you more? Would you help us to love you better as a result of our gathering together this morning? God, we pray that you would teach us. And not just so that we might have more head knowledge, but Lord, that we might walk in faithfulness to you, our King of kings and Lord of lords. And so Lord, lead us, guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Joshua chapter 1 is what we'll be studying this morning. Again, if you have a Bible, Bible app, whatever you got, please open that. Let's look together at this book that reminds us, as I, as I prayed, of God's faithfulness. And we're going to see that over and over again. God is faithful. And um, you've seen on the, on the bumper there that, that the theme, what we're calling this, this series for the summer, and what, really, uh, what we're calling the message this morning as well, is rest. That the people have been wandering for 40 years, and now God is about to give them a place of rest. But as Kevin read earlier, we see that it's not, it, there was that physical rest, but it wasn't, the work was not yet complete. There needs to be a spiritual rest. And that's offered to you and I as well. And so we're going to be looking at, uh, as I said, this chapter. And, and what we're going to see is four uh, different ways that we can find rest. The first thing we see is that we find rest in the permanence of God's promise. We, we, we see that we can find permanence in the, sorry, we find rest in the permanence of God's promise. Let me read verses 1 to 4. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Well, the book begins by reminding us that Moses, the servant of the Lord, is dead. He is referred to as the servant of the Lord many times in the book of Joshua. He had been a faithful leader, and yet he is dead. He's dead because of sin. God had called Moses to speak to the rock, and in his anger he had struck the rock. And as a result of that, God said, you will not enter the promised land. So what will happen to the nation of Israel is the question. This great man of God, this leader who had been so faithful to the Lord to, to carry these people out of Egypt through the wilderness, that this man who God had spoken to, this man who, who was, was glowing because of being in the presence of the Lord, this man who had been given the law of the Lord is now dead. Can God still fulfill his promises? We're reminded, and we'll be reminded as we continue to go through the book of Joshua, God is faithful, and we know that Moses is in heaven today. We, we know that why, as we, as we look at the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, it was both Moses and Elijah who come and visit him. So he, he got to heaven, but guess what? Their sin still has its consequences. And we need to be mindful of that as we study the book of Joshua. God is faithful and he will save his people, but sin still has its consequences. So we should never take sin lightly. It says here in Joshua 1 that God is about to fulfill his promises that he had given to Moses. 
But this was not the first time God had given those promises. If you trace back to Genesis 12, that's where the promises began. In Genesis chapter 12, God had chosen a man by the name of Abram, and he said, I will build a nation through you, and I will one day give you a land of your own. And all through Genesis 12, right through to to, to chapter 18, we see God again and again affirming his promise to Abraham that there would be a great nation from him. But what? There'll be a time before they would enter that nation. It, won't, it wouldn't be with his family at that time. It was going to be hundreds of years later, but God is faithful. He would fulfill his promise. And now is the time for these promises to be fulfilled. It's a great reminder for you and I. God is always faithful to fulfill his promise, not on your timetable, but on his perfect timetable. And so he will fulfill his promises. And he's telling Joshua now that although Moses is dead, Joshua, I will lead this people through you. And so he's going to take them across the river. No small feat, as we will learn in the weeks to come, right? It wasn't like, hey, run really fast and you should be able to jump it, right? This, this was a big deal crossing the river. It was a big deal, the enemies that lay on the other side of them. But he is promising that they will not only cross this river, but every, this is like, it's an awesome picture. Every step you take, that's your land. And he gives the picture like where the boundaries of their land will be. It will all be yours. And the enemies that face them, were not weak in any sort of, sort of imagination. They were very strong. And without God's assurance that he was going to be with them, they surely would have been defeated. But God is saying, I will fulfill my promises to you. It's a great reminder for us again. When we think, we think about God's word, do we focus on the obstacles in our lives, or do we focus on God's faithfulness to his word? We, we could be like that generation previous to Joshua, that, that generation that said, with Joshua and Caleb, when they went to see them, they just seen the enemies, and they're like, we can't do it. There's no way that we can do it. That was correct. They could not do it, but God could, but they failed to see that. God is powerful, and no obstacle is too great for him. This morning, do you find rest in the permanence of God's promises? When everything seems to be against you, when the odds are stacked against you, when it seems like the enemy is insurmountable, do you focus on the obstacles or do you focus on the permanence of God's promises? Do you believe that God is faithful to do everything that he said he will do? Do you believe that this morning? When your world is spinning and you don't know what tomorrow will bring, cling to the fact that God is always faithful to do what he says he will do. What has he promised? It's all found in here. It's found in the word of God. We've been learning a whole lot about that as we studied the book of Romans. Do you, when, you, when, you're, when everything is spinning in your world, do you believe that this is true? Even when the obstacles are great, do you believe that this is true and that God is always faithful to do what his word says? As your pastor, I know that for many of you, this week has been especially difficult. I want to encourage you to run to the Father and to cling to his promises that are found in his word. He is faithful and he's with you, which brings us to our next point. God is with you through it all. Here we find rest in the power of God's presence. In the power of God's presence. Although Moses has left, God has given them a replacement, and that is Joshua. And he's promising here that he will be with him just as he had promised to Moses when he called him that he would be with him. God is with you. Do you believe that this morning? God is with you, but if you want to see the power of God's presence in your life, then there are certain things that you must do. If you want to see that power unleashed, then and to have success, then, then you need to do three things. 
First, we see that success comes through dependence. Success comes through dependence. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. What an assurance to Joshua. An assurance that you and I need to remember that we have As we were reminded in Romans chapter 8, that God is with us. If you are in Christ this morning, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and God is with you. It is for that reason that no one will be able to stand against Joshua. We just learned this in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, then who can be against us? No enemy can can come against us when we are in Christ. We are protected by him. Because God is with him and will never leave him or forsake him, Joshua knows that he will have success. As I already mentioned, the enemies were too great for him to overcome on his own. But if God is with you, then no obstacle is too great. And so you must depend on him. And in his dependence, he knows that he is able then to be strong and courageous. Not because he's focusing on his own abilities, not because he's focusing like, you know, I'm really gifted and, you know, I know I can do this. No, he's focused on the fact that God is with him. And if God is with him, then he is able to be strong and courageous, strong and courageous in what God is going to do. And as a result, they would receive the inheritance that God had promised to them. Davis says this, there's nothing more essential for the people of God to hear their God repeating to them amidst all their changing circumstances, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. This week, no matter what you're going through, hold on to that. That God is with you. He will not forsake you. This was not just true for Moses. This was not just true for Joshua. It is true for you and I today. We read in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I encourage you to write these things down. Look them up for yourself later. But Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Our focus on the Lord frees us from covetousness and all kinds of sin. It frees us from relying on what this world can offer and helps us to rely only on him. And as a result of that, we will not fear. And so if you want to have success in this world, success that is eternal, then you must walk in dependence on him. Second, if we want to see God's power unleashed in our lives, then we need to remember that success comes through discipline. It comes through discipline. The Lord's promise to be with Joshua included some some specific instructions about his responsibility, what he must do if they were going to see the power of God unleashed, if they were going to see the promised land come to them. Again, he reminds them, reminds him to be strong and very courageous. Again, you you can't imagine the odds that were stacked against them when it came to this enemy on a human level, right? On a human level, if you were just to start focusing on those great armies, these walled cities, like it would be like you would be in fear, as we're going to see in just a moment. But if God is with you, he again, he reminds him to be strong and very courageous. How? How will he be able to do that? He gives some instructions. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. 
How can you stand in the Lord? How can you be strong and courageous today? It comes through knowing what the Word of God says. It comes through standing in on these things and living a life that says, I will walk in obedience to all that God has called me to. This was the way for Joshua. It's the way for you and I. He continues, he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you, will have, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What a, what a picture. As you're going through your day, what should be coming out of your mouth is what the Scriptures say, what, God, what God's Word says. Is that true of you as you go through your day? How is that possible that he would be able to do that? Well, by meditating on the word both day and night. I was meeting with some guys. We've just been meeting through the year. We're closing things up last uh, yesterday, talking about this idea of are we men of the word? Are you men and women of the word this morning? Is what is said here true of you? Do you meditate on God's word both day and night? Is it the focus that you have as you go through your day? As my experience in the church over the last 30 years, let's be honest, we're lucky if we read the word. Never mind meditating on it day and night. Like if we like, okay, I got like, I'm batting like 400 for the week. I got, I got a few days in where I read and I'm just, you know, it's just life so busy. And maybe, maybe you got the reading down. You're like, okay, I'm reading every day. But if I was to ask you like an hour later what you read, you'd be like, I'm not really sure. I, I was in the Old Testament. Right? But maybe, maybe you've got to that next step and you're like, Okay, I've been reading, and I'm actually studying it, too. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to understand, it. okay, he's saying this, I'm learning this about my God, and it's calling me to do this. This is the application for my life as I go through the day, and I'm praying, God, help me to do that. But you're still not to this point. So you're like, okay, yeah, I gotta, I gotta memorize too. I gotta memorize the word so that no matter where I'm at, I can recall these things to mind. And so you do that. And then is the step of med- being able to meditate it on both day and night. Like, we do realize Joshua didn't have the Bible app in the slip in his phone in his back pocket as he's walking around, right? In the back of his robe. Okay, that's not what was happening. The, the, the word was on scrolls at best, right? You, you, you didn't have immediate access to it 24-7. And so he would study it, and he would read it, and he would memorize it. Why? So that he might be faithful to do all that God commands. If I don't know what God's Word says, how in the world can I be faithful to do all that He says? I can't. I'm kind of just like shooting in the dark. It kind of feels right. That's not a great way to live because our feelings are subjective to our sinful nature and we're going to choose wrongly more times than we're going to choose rightly. And so we must be men and women of the word. And guess what? God has given you his spirit so that you might be faithful to his word. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of discipline. And can I just give a word of warning? Guess what? We're going into summertime where it's kind of like, uh, my Bible's around here somewhere. And you come wandering in here in September and it's like, look like, you know, gaunt, you know. Well, we made it through the summer. But spiritually, like, it was not good. So let us hear what the Word of God says to us this morning. Was this just for Joshua? Anyone think this was just for Joshua? Psalm 1 says, if you want to have success, then be people of the Word. 
Jesus, after his Sermon on the Mount, said that everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Do you want to be blessed? Anyone here want to be blessed? Then be people of his word. And not, kind of the, not the kind of blessing that shows up in your pocket, but eternal blessing. Being conformed to his image and not being continually under his discipline because you're walking in disobedience to him, but rather walking in a closeness with him that can only come by being people of the word. And so let us be disciplined. Let us be people of his word. Keep each other accountable. Spur one another on. Don't just talk about the next camping trip or fishing or whatever comes to mind when it comes to the summer, but ask each other, how's the Bible reading going? How's that going? And you're probably not going to want to ask because you might not be doing it, but do it anyways, okay? And spur one another on in this regard. Success comes through discipline. And then success comes through deference. To defer is to say, you are right, and I will walk in obedience. It's to submit. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Are you getting a theme here? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What would have been the natural inclination of Joshua as he went to face this enemy? His natural inclination would be to be dismayed and to be frightened. He had every reason on an earthly level to be frightened, to be dismayed, which means to be depressed, to be downhearted. As he considered the great obstacles before him, but he's saying, don't do that. Don't focus on that, but instead be strong and courageous. Why? Because I am with you wherever you go. And so it is for you and I. God is with us wherever we go. And so when my feelings say one thing, I need to say no to my feelings and I need to say yes to what God tells me to. I need to walk in obedience to his word as it comes to me, just as Joshua was called to. Remember, in the midst of the battles that you face, that God is sovereign, that he is good, that he is powerful, and he will take you through whatever he is guiding you through. If you want to see God's power unleashed in our lives, then we must be dependent, be disciplined, and defer to him. It was true in Joshua's life, and it is true in your life too. Thirdly, if we want to find rest, we need to, we need, sorry, we, sorry, thirdly, we find rest in the participation of God's people. We find rest in the participation of God's people. So the first nine verses, God is addressing Joshua. Now Joshua is going to address the people. And in a moment, Joshua, sorry, the people are going to address Joshua. And we think about this participation of God's people. We see that God's people were first united in purpose. They were united in purpose. As Joshua comes to him, them in verse 10, he says this, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. It's time. It's time. God has spoke to Joshua. He's told him it's time. And now as the leader of the people, he's passing that on to the other leaders. As you go through the Pentateuch, you'll, you'll, you'll come to a point where Moses is like, I can't do this. I can't lead all these people. And he's like, you're right. You need to appoint leaders over the people. And so this is the officers that he's talking about. The, there would be officers over groups of people. And now he speaks to those officers and they're going to go to the people and say, time to get ready. Get your provisions ready. We don't know exactly what the provisions were, but the, there, there's this time of preparation for in three days they were going to cross the river. 
At this point, they're not told exactly how they're going to get across. They're just told they're about to go across. And what? You will receive the land that God had promised. What you see here is interesting in that what you don't see here. There are no doubters at this point, no whiners, no grumblers, no complainers in the camp. They are united in their purpose. They know that God is faithful. They are, they are ready to do what God has called them to do. And then Joshua goes specifically to the two and a half tribes. I'm going to talk about them in just a moment. Verse 12, And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers, and you shall help them. Until the Lord gives, gives rest to your brothers as he is to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Moses, the servant of the Lord, you see it over and over again. Reminder that, that he was representing God and the things that he said. Now, just in case some of us are not real familiar with our Old Testament, this two and a half tribes, they asked, they went to Moses and said, hey, can we have the land on this side of the Jordan, the land that we just won against this enemy? And at the beginning of it, Moses is like, oh, great, here we go again, division in, in the camp. They're like, no, 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 we will, we will go and we will fight with you. We're just wondering if we can have this land here as well as the land over there for, for the rest of us. And he had given that permission. And so Joshua is just reminding them what they had said. Just as everybody had conquered this land, the men of valor were called to go with the rest of Israel across the Jordan until they too entered their rest until they too had been given the land. Again, you see this unity amongst the group. There is no division. There's clear communication, and there is one purpose together, as it ought to be here. One purpose together. That's been stretched over this last year, has it not? Just talking to someone yesterday, and they're just talking about that, just how, how, how Christians have been increasingly divisive over all kinds of things. It ought not to be that way. We have one mission, and that's the gospel, to go and to make disciples. That's our calling. That's what unites us. If there's, you have opinions on other things, great, have your opinion. But we are united in one purpose as a people of God. And let us not be distracted from that one purpose. God would, God would want us to be united under the gospel. If that is the foundation, everything, everything else kind of falls under that. Amen? And this, this summer, I'm praying that God would reunite us, right? And we're, we'll see. We're, we're hoping to do one service together so that we can, again, be like, hey, we are the church, right? Hey, who are you? Get to know each other once, more, once again in that way. But then spur one another on to, to be the hands and feet that God wants us to be. To take the gospel out into this dark world. It is so needed. And listen, I'm telling you, there's opportunities out there right now. If we are just looking, there's opportunities right now to get the gospel out that I don't think I've seen in my lifetime. And so let us be faithful to the Lord in one purpose together, just as we see here, united in one purpose. Secondly, we see that God's people were united by praise. They were united by praise. Joshua is giving them their instruction. Now they give the response and they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. 
Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Joshua had come and he had exhorted and encouraged the people. And now in turn, what? They are exhorting and encouraging Joshua. What a beautiful picture. And they're saying, yeah, we're going to do it. All that you command us to do, we are going to do. And this generation had been faithful to do what Moses had called them to do. And they're reassuring Joshua in the same way that we followed Moses, we're going to follow you. The only thing that we are praying is that God would be with you just as he was with Moses. Because we want to follow him more than anything. What a time of encouragement for one another, a spurring of one another on. I love this unity that we see here. We want to be faithful to God and all that he has called us to do, and so we will be faithful to do what you call us to do. This time of praising one another, encouraging one another. Again, this is what the body of Christ ought to look like. Every time we come together, there ought to be this spurring on of one another. And can I just say what is modeled here ought to be in the church as well. That, that the people of God ought to be encouraging the elders of the church. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Can I tell you how encouraged my heart is by many of you when you come up to me and just say, keep preaching the word, right? We don't, totally convicted today. I, I, I didn't like it personally in the sense that I'm convicted, but I know I need it. Keep preaching the whole counsel of the word. And that spurs me on and say, okay, yeah, I got to keep doing it. It reminds me of what I need to be doing as a faithful shepherd. And then I, it spurs me on. It's like, okay, guys, this is what God's word says the next week. And then you get this back and forth, back and forth. That's the way it ought to be in the church, just as it was here. As we come together, as Hebrews 10 says, that we ought to be spurring one another on, encouraging one another in the body of Christ as the people of God. And then we see that they're united through purity. They're united through purity. Verse 18, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. People understand the importance of holiness. They had seen it firsthand in, in their mamas and papas of the generation beforehand, the great cost of sin and how it can destroy a people. And they said, we will walk in obedience. And if anyone is walking in rebellion against your commands, then we will remove that sin from the camp. And as we're going through the book of Joshua, we will see them do that. You talk about your church discipline, right? Why so harsh that they would kill someone if they didn't walk in, in obedience? We're like, well, that's a little. Because they understood the danger of sin. Now it's like a plague that spreads amongst the people of God if left unchecked. And so that's why God has instituted for the church, Matthew 18, that we too ought to not kill people, but remove people from our midst if they walk in continued rebellion against his commandments. And the Bible is very clear. If someone's walking in rebellion, you go and you, you challenge them to repent. And if they don't, then you get more people together and challenge them to repent. And if they don't, then the church says, hey, you're no longer welcome here. Why? To protect the people of God and hopefully so that that person would feel the weight of the sin and they would repent. And turn to God. Purity should unite us here. Encouragement, praise for one another ought to unite us here. And our purpose should unite us. Just as it did for the people of Israel. God is faithful. I love even how the people speak to Moses the same thing that God has spoken to Moses. Be strong and courageous. We just need you to keep your eyes on him. Be strong and courageous. Lead us. Guide us. That's what we want. Well, in case we're not sure whether this book really applies to us, the New Testament reminds us that it does. And I want us to just briefly look at that as we close this morning. The purpose of God's promise. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. 
Like, anyone think that we're going to be getting any land anytime soon? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Like, maybe we could build a church on that, you know? But that's not quite the application here. But rest is an application, as we're going to see in Hebrews 3. What's the New Testament perspective as we're going through this book? What are the things that we need to keep in mind? As God gives them physical rest, what is it pointing to? It's pointing us to a greater reality of what we all need, spiritual rest. And so we read once again Hebrews 3.16, talking about this time of rebellion before Joshua, for, though, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled. They had heard the promises of God. Hey, I'm going to take you into the promised land. Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? They failed to enter the rest that God had for them because of their disobedience. Verse 18, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. The people who did not enter, the people before the book of Joshua, were those who were disobedient and those who did not have belief in what God's word said. They had unbelief. And as a result, they did not enter the rest that God had for them. That is still true today. If you want the rest that God has for you, then you must be a person who repents of your rebellion against God. This morning, I don't know where everyone's heart's here this morning, but I'm telling you, if you have not placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not acknowledged your sin and that you deserve condemnation, then you are continuing to walk in your, his in rebellion against him, and you will not enter his rest. But today you can enter his rest if you would repent of your sin and place your trust in him in belief, in faith, as opposed to these people. Believing what God's word says, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Faith and obedience. And what was needed for the people of Israel to enter the rest that God had for them in the promised land, it is still true for you and I today. He continues on in chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, let, sorry, let, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were, were not united by faith with those who listened. It's a good reminder for us here this morning. The chances are, if you're sitting here, if you're watching online, you've heard the good news, the good news of the gospel, not just the good news for the, that Israel, that they would, if they were faithful, they would enter the promised land. We've heard the good news of the gospel that lost sinners might be saved. But you can have that knowledge and it can do you no good, just as it did no good for the people of Israel. It must be attached to faith. It must be personal. You cannot just believe the facts that Jesus came and, and that you're a sinner. You must place your faith in him for now and for all of eternity. If you do not, then it will do no benefit to you, just as the verses say here. The question this morning is, have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Not mom and dad, not someone else, but you, have you placed your faith in him? Have you entered the rest that he has for you? Or are you still walking in rebellion against him? The writer of Hebrews here is, is quoting from Psalm 95. Psalm 95, which was written by David hundreds of years later. And so the rest was not just about entering the promised land. It was something much more as we pick it up in verse 8, he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. God was faithful to fulfill his promise as we get to the end. Oh, just like, spoiler alert, they're going to get the promised land, okay? In case, in case you, you know, you're not around next week. Okay, they are going to get the promised land. But they did not enter the full rest. There was a rest still to come. 
As David points out, and as you and I understand today, there's a rest that comes with coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peterson says this, the rest that the Israelites experienced in the time of Joshua was an earthly anticipation of the ultimate heavenly rest. There is no full rest here on this earth. We know that to be true, do we not? Depending on your week, you might be like, amen to that. I was just helping dad this last week um, get rid of a little bit more garbage as they finished up their move. And as I looked around, I just thought about the memories of the house that they have been moving out of and the things that were done, the the laying of the sod and the planting of the the trees and those kinds of things. And just remind me of this, this, everything's so temporary. So temporary. Someone else now will enjoy that yard, the the house that they have there, and, and they've moved on to somewhere else. Everything in this life is so temporary, but the rest that God provides through Jesus Christ is eternal. He says in verse 9, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. In Jesus Christ, there is both the temporary rest that we get through Christ and there's the eternal rest that comes in the future. If you are in Christ today, then we rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are no longer striving to try to be right with God in some way through our works. We understand that that was impossible. But now we are right with God. We have been reconciled to the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And now we take his yoke upon us on a daily basis and we find rest in that. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says this, Jesus speaking, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We rest in being children of God. We rest in knowing that he is our father and that whatever he is taking us through, he will get us through. But we also understand that in this life, we will not have our full rest until we are with him. And so we need to strive on between now and that day. And so he says in verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Do not be someone who says you put your faith in Christ and then live a life of rebellion. How can I do that? Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. What a parallel to what God had called Joshua to do. Joshua, meditate on the law, both day and night. Let not my word, my, the law be far from your mouth. And here he's reminding us in the book of Hebrews, be people of the word, for it is powerful. It will pierce your heart. It will change who you are in an incredible way. It will make you more and more like your Savior. But we must be faithful and diligent to do so. Why? Because one day we will all give an account before the Father. What a great commentary on the book of Joshua. Keep these things in mind as we study this summer. God desires rest for us. He is with us and he will never forsake us. So let us walk in obedience, remembering that God is faithful to all his promises. As we're going to see in the book of Joshua, judgment comes against evildoers. May we be mindful of the judgment to come and walk in holiness just as God has called us to do. This book in 2021, we will see, is very relevant to you and I. So for the weary, discouraged, and disheartened this morning, find your rest in the permanence of God's promise. God is faithful to his word. Find your rest in the power of God's presence Walk in dependence 
in discipline and in deference. Rest in the participation of God's people and what we have here and be united in purpose by praise and through purity. And then remember the purpose of God's promise. One day we will enter our final rest. That's, great word. That's a great word for you and I today. God is faithful to all that he has promised and he will do it. Let me pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for your word today. God, thank you that you are always faithful to do what you say you will do. Lord, as we begin to study this book of Joshua, as we see your challenges to Joshua and to the people, God, we see the parallels to what you challenge us to today. God, help us to be men and women of your word. May it be close to our hearts and mouths continually. Help us to be continually instructing one another in what your word says. Help us to be continually studying, meditating on your awesome word to us. That, Lord, we might walk in faithfulness to you, to walk in obedience to you and bring you glory and honor through our words and actions. Lord, thank you that you never change. Thank you that your promises are permanent. You don't say one thing and do something different. Lord, thank you for the reminder this morning that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we pray that in the days and weeks to come that, Lord, you would continue to unite us under the one purpose, that is to go and to make disciples of all nations. Lord, would you unite us in, in, in our encouragement of one another? Would you unite us in holiness and purity? Lord, have your way in your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.